chapter number 5. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up. If you have a phone, you can go to the Bible app and go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to finish a series we started weeks ago called Called Out, what it really means to be the church. Now, I'm going to preach for 20 minutes, and then we're going to take communion together. And then uh, we're going to release you to be able to go take communion privately and then also be able to go out into the lobby. And so I'm going to end in 20 minutes. Are you ready? Do you think I could do it? How many of you believe in me? How many of you don't believe in me? Because most people did not say they believe in me. Uh, I don't know if I could do it either. All right, so we're going to give it a shot, though. I do want to let you know, we started this series and we talked about what it really means to be the church and the word itself, church, in the Greek, in the New Testament, means called out ones, called out ones. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.9, he said, but you are a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, a peculiar people. And he goes on to say that you show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Here's the calling of the church. The calling of the church is to be called out of darkness and into light. The word itself means called out ones. We are called out. That means we don't look like the world. We're in the world, but we don't look like the world. We don't talk like the world, watch what they watch, listen to what they listen to. There ought to be something different about us. And so we talked about raising our level of convictions, raising the level of convictions not only in our life, but around those that we associate with. The Bible says light does not have any communion or fellowship with darkness. And so I said, when it comes to your unsaved friends, the question is always this, am I being light to their darkness? Because if I'm not being light to their darkness, then I have to sever the relationship according to the word of God. And so we talked about what it means to be called out of darkness, and then two weeks ago we talked about being called into the light, being sure that we're a student of the Word of God, that we're in the Word of God every day, we're studying His Word, we're allowing the light of His Word to shine on the next step of our life, the path that we have That's what God's word does, and so that's what it means to be called into the light. And today, I'm going to finish this series by talking about what it means to be light. What does it mean to be light? Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 14, Jesus said this in his first sermon and the greatest sermon ever preached. He said, you are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill. Uh, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. Let your light shine before men that they would see your works, your actions, what you do, and glorify God. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. But didn't Jesus also say that he was the light of the world? John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud and embarrass yourself. Which is it? Is it that we're the light of the world or Jesus is the light of the world? Because if Jesus is the light of the world, I choose him over me. Come on now. Look at him, don't look at me, because I got failures and faults and mistakes, and don't put me on a pedestal. 
Look to Jesus. And so that's what I thought. So which is it? Is it that Jesus is the light of the world? Because that's what he said in John chapter 8. He said, I'm the light of the world. But in Matthew chapter 5, his first sermon, he said, you, you, you are the light of the world. Well, let me answer that question for you. Because in John chapter 9, Jesus said this, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. While I'm in the world. In other words, what Jesus is saying, while I'm here physically on earth, while I'm walking among you, right? While he was able to be seen and felt and and able to be heard, he was the light of the world, right? And then in John chapter 12, Jesus actually says this. He says, while I'm here, for a little while longer, you have the light with you, right? In other words, Jesus is saying, while I'm here walking among you, while I'm in the world, while I'm with you, you have the light with you. So be sure to take advantage of the fact that I'm the light of the world. Be with me. That way you don't have to walk in darkness. And then you can also be a son of light, daughter of light, while I'm here, right? In other words, the inference is, is that one day I'll be gone. One day I'm going to be carried into heaven. One day I'm no longer going to be walking among you, talking among you. So now the answer is this. Jesus is no longer here on the earth, and that means that the only light that is on the earth is us. The answer to the question is, who is the light of the world is you. We are the light of the world. If the world is to see Christ, they look at us. So let me just say something to Mr. and Mrs. Angry Christian. If you're saved, notify your face. Because we've got too many angry, spiteful, bitter, resentful, come on now, Christians that are not shining the light of Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Right? And you say, well, pastor, I mean, look at all that's going on in the world. I get it. And if you stare at it long enough, you get angry. Huh? So that's why you got to take your eyes off of what's happening in the world and keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Right? Because if all they see and hear is hate and anger, And I'm angry over this, and I'm angry over that, and I I can't stand this person, and I can't stand this person, and, and you're just angry at the world. Who wants to be a part of that? Huh? No thank you. If that's the only Jesus that you're representing, then I'll take something else. Come on now. But if they see love and joy and peace in the midst of all that's going on, when they see craziness and they see you still walking into work and you're still singing and smiling and you're still letting the joy of the Lord just shine forth in everything you do, they go, you know, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that woman. I want what he has. Amen? It's called light. And light shines in darkness. Amen? Listen, we ought to be the happiest people on earth. Amen? Christians should just float. 
We should just float. doesn't mean that we've got no problems. It doesn't mean that there's not chaos. It doesn't mean that behind closed doors, we still got some arguments with our wife. And my wife still doesn't listen to everything I say. And my kids still don't listen to everything I say. So listen, we all have our challenges. But listen, I need to show the world that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on now. I need to show that there's a joy and a happiness that comes from knowing that my name is written in the land book of life. Listen, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. All of this mess is just temporary. I'm going to live with Jesus. And that ought to be enough to put a smile on our face and make somebody happy. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. We ought to have more happy Christians. Amen. We ought to be the laughingest, happiest people there is. Amen. Praise God. Listen, everybody in here has two things. Everybody in here has two things. Number one, we all have the same purpose. We all have the same purpose, and that's to shine in darkness. Listen, you say, well, Pastor, I don't really know why I was born. I do. Can I tell you? To shine in darkness. You have the same purpose. You and I have this exact same purpose. Now, there's, there's details. And listen, some people are called to work with kids. And some people are called to work with homeless. And some people are called to pastor. And some people are called to lead worship. So there's different details. But we all have the same purpose. And the same purpose is to let our light shine. Amen? You are the light of the world. Don't put a basket on a lamp. Let it shine. Amen? We all have that purpose. And, and shining in darkness is what light does best. Do you know that in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories. He tells a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And right in the middle there, he tells a story about a lost coin. And he says, what woman, having lost a coin, doesn't do this? Light a lamp. It's the first thing she does. When she goes to find a coin, she lights a lamp, and then she sweeps the house. But the first thing she does is light a lamp. And then it says this, that when the coin is found, then she rejoices with her neighbors. And Jesus is saying, that's the whole purpose of the parable, to let you know that when somebody gets saved, when a lost person comes to know Jesus, there's rejoicing in heaven. Angels rejoice. How does it all start? It all starts by God turning on a light, and that light is you. Amen? That means that God put you where he put you, and then he went like that. You're on. Come on. Let's go. That means that where you live, you don't live by accident. You didn't just happen to choose that neighborhood. You didn't just happen to choose that house. You don't just happen to work where you work. God saw fit to make all the choices that your ancestors ever made to get you down to South Florida, to get you to Palm Beach County, to get you to work where you work, live where you live for a reason. And that's so that you could let your light shine. Hallelujah. Amen. It wasn't just, I like this house and man, I can't believe that we found it. No, God gave you that house so that you can reach your neighbors so that you can shine. God gave you that job so that you can shine. You say, well, pastor, I don't even like the people that I'm working with. Good. Amen. Smile. Notify your face that you're saved and be a light in the midst of darkness. Hallelujah. Amen. God put you there for a reason. Doesn't that make tomorrow morning look all that more interesting? 
You just walk into work. You just walk in and go, I'm a light. Praise God. Amen. You are. You're a light to that whole neighborhood. I was texting with my, my neighbor the other day. I told you that I recently moved, and, and uh, the neighbor that found me the house, of course, has been a part of this church forever and helped us launch the church. And so he's texting me, and I'm texting him the other day, and he's out of town, and he's like, look, I've been praying for somebody to come along. We're going to get this whole street saved. I'm like, yeah, come on now. Now, some of them are saved. I'm not saying they're not. They may be watching online. But I want to know this. I said, listen, we're going to partner together. Let's start praying. Let's start believing. Let's start declaring. The whole block's getting saved. Amen. One light just got another light. And we're going to shine forth in this whole neighborhood. Amen. God didn't just give me the house because he, he likes me. God put me there for a reason. And God did the same for you. Amen. Light, light in the midst of darkness. The second thing you have that everybody has in here is the same thing as this. It's a ministry. And we all have the same ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, that God saved us, God forgave us, come on now, God reconciled us back to, to himself through Christ and gave us all the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to have a mass ordination service today. You're it. You're in ministry. Let's go. Come on now, whether you like it or don't like it. You're called. You're ordained. Amen. You're in ministry. Go get your business card. Let everybody know. Minister so-and-so. Come on, I don't care what you do with it. All I know is this. It's an attitude that you have. I have been called for a purpose, and I've been called into the ministry, and I'm supposed to reconcile people back to Christ. What could be better? Listen, what could be bigger? There's no greater ministry than the ministry of reconciliation. I don't care if you ever get on a microphone or don't get on a microphone. What could be more important than you sharing Christ with somebody, and they spend eternity eternity with Jesus Christ because God used you to let your light shine. What could be more important than that? Huh? It's the most important thing. You could lead a kid to Christ. You could lead a teenager to Christ. You could lead your neighbor to Christ, a coworker. They spend eternity in heaven because God used you. Ooh, hallelujah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. I want to give you three practical ways. Are you ready? I'm still on my time. I'm still doing good. Three practical ways to reach people. Three practical ways. The first thing is this. You want to reach people for Christ, reaching the lost, the first thing you do is you start praying for them. That means you have an actual list. That means you literally write people's names down. That means you write the name of every neighbor that you like, and then the ones you don't like, you write twice. <laughs> Jesus in heaven. That means the coworkers you like, you write their names down. The boss, the employees, the people that work under you, the people that work above you, the people that work next to you. The first thing you do is start writing down their names. Here's what happens when you pray for people. First of all, it softens your heart towards them. Amen. We need that because we need compassion. We need compassion. Whether you like politicians or don't like politicians, you need to pray for our president. We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our governor. 
We need to be praying for people that are in leadership positions. Listen, God needs to give them wisdom. Come on now, we need to be praying for people in positions. And that's true of of any president, and that's true of any governor, and that's true of your boss, and that's true of your coworkers. Listen, something happens when you begin to pray for people. Pray that God will open their eyes. Pray that that their heart will be ready and receptive to receive. Come on now, just start praying for them. David Wilkerson said this, every soul, one on the streets, is first one in prayer. We have to start by praying for people. That's just going to be the beginning stages. Start to pray, put a list together, and then ask God for number two, ask God for an open door. Begin to look for an open door. Begin to look. Say, God, I want you to give me an open door towards people. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that that suddenly they'll be talking, and you'll be talking with a coworker, and they'll start telling you about a problem, something going on with their kids, something going on with their family, and, and the Holy Spirit, that's the door right there. That's the door. It could be a stranger. It could be a complete stranger. There's a door. There's a door that's open. Boom. All of a sudden, something just, something just happens. And that's your opportunity to go, you know what? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? Huh? And when you pray for them, you don't put them in a claw hold and put them down on the ground. Okay, here's what you do. You just either gently, depending on how well you know them, you can put your hand on them uh, just gently or just pray right there on the spot and just say, you know what? Let's, can I pray for you? Is that okay? People are open to prayer. And what you're looking for is an open door. So when your neighbor starts telling you that they have a diagnosis, something going on with their kids, when your coworker starts talking about everything going on in the world, huh? what you need to do is go, okay, God put me here. I've been praying for an open door. And then you say, okay, God, here it is. Here's the open door. Here's the open door. And listen, God will give them to you because if you ask, it's going to happen. Watch. You watch how it happens. And the third one is this. He's going to call you, and I want you to answer the phone when it rings. Because now you showed up this morning. And what happens when you show up and I start talking about telephones ringing and the Holy Spirit kind of setting something off in your spirit, now all of a sudden watch how much it happens. All of a sudden it would be like, wow, the Holy Spirit's talking to me. He's talking to me. When, when I was 13 years old, Man, I was going through some rough times where I just, I really wasn't serving God the way I should be. I grew up in church. I, I felt that I was saved, but I really was, I was just kind of playing church. I was in middle school. Middle school's tough. That's why we got a middle school ministry, because it's tough, man. And so I was 13 years old, and my sister was dating her boyfriend, and now they've gotten married. And so my brother-in-law comes up to me when I'm 13, and he was going out on the streets witnessing on a Friday night. And he said, Brian, would you like to go witnessing? I don't even know how I said yes or why I said yes. He said, we're going to go to the Boynton Inlet, and we're going to talk to people about Jesus. Would you like to go? I said, yes. And so I got to the Boynton Inlet. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so he handed me some tracks, and he said, just pass these out. So I started passing out tracks. Don't talk to me. I don't know anything. Don't ask me any questions. I got nothing. You read this later. Not even now. Don't even read it now. Read it later. Wait till I walk away and read this. And I would just, and you know what? 
I came home and it was like, wow, that felt like purpose. It just rose up inside of me. That felt like purpose. And then I went back the next week and the next week. And for years and years and years, every Friday night, we would go out witnessing. And then I'd go to New Orleans to go to Mardi Gras. And then we'd go to, down to Key West to go to Fantasy Fest. We went to every bowl game in the state of Florida. And I went from passing out tracks. That's all I would do for a long time, like about two years. That's all I ever did was pass out tracks. And then suddenly I'd start to talk to people. And then I'd get on a, uh, we had these bullhorns. And we'd, we'd start preaching on street corners in New Orleans and in the middle of Mardi Gras. And, and craziness would happen. I got so many stories. But all of a sudden it just got to progress to where I got more and more bold and more and more confident. And then I would pray for people. And I remember I was challenged to get people to get on their knees and we would get on our knees. And I remember being on a street corner in Miami and somebody accepted Jesus Christ. And I got them on their knees and I said, would you get on your knees with me right here on the street corner? And they said, yes. And so I led that person to Christ on a street corner in Miami. It's because the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. And I remember I was at the Lake Worth Beach and I was, I was just praying by myself. You know, it's the beach and I'm praying. And I remember during those years, I was just I was sitting there and a car pulls up next to me and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to get out and I want you to go talk to that person about Jesus. And I said, Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now. But when I'm done praying, if that car is still there, then I'll get out and I'll go talk to them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to go now. And that was kind of early on. And I said, I don't have a track to give. And then I opened the glove compartment to show the Holy Spirit that I didn't have any tracks. And it's like tracks just fell out by the hundreds. I'm like, who put these in here? I don't remember doing this. So I grabbed this track out because the Holy Spirit was calling me. You see what I'm saying? He was calling me. He was saying, do it. I want you to do it now. The phone was ringing and so I answered the phone, I went next door, I knocked on the window, and I said, the Holy Spirit, I'm sitting here praying, and the Holy Spirit told me to come over and hand you this and tell you about Jesus. And I started talking to them about Jesus. And do you know what happened? They rolled their window up, and they backed their car, and they drove off, and I have no idea to this day whatever happened with that person. But I know this, I'm not responsible for getting anybody saved. In fact, I've never saved anybody. I've never saved a soul. All I do is plant seeds. Hmm? Sometimes I water, sometimes I plant. Huh? Somebody's already watered it, or somebody's already planted it, and I just water it. But all I know is this, it's God's job to save. It's my job to just give the invite. Would you